Welcome to Experiences of Insight. On this episode, we are joined by Ezema gonzalez Piado, an educator from Parsons School of Design in New York, also an expert in branding, marketing, and design. Lee and I had a great time speaking with Ezema about her journey in life, design, her thoughts on collaboration, education, her students, her work, and even got to hear a little about her interests and hobbies. Without further ado, we present Ezema. Today, we're lucky to be joined by Ezema gonzalez Piado. Um, Ezema is, among other things, a brand expert, branding expert. Um, she's also part of the um, part of the team that uh, works with uh, Parsons. Um, as she's a professor there, and she's also leading some students there at Parsons here in New York. Um, this has been a long time coming for us. We've um, been following your story for some time period, for a time period. Um, and we are very thankful and appreciative that you came here on this nice summer day to join us today. So, yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Welcome. So um, I had a couple of questions. Um, and the reason why I'll be rehashing this is because, uh, as I mentioned to you, your background in where you come from and who you are and steps that you've taken in your journey along the way. Um, really, I found when you told me some of those nuggets to be very compelling. And uh, I was wondering if you could start off by telling us a little bit about your background and where you come from and maybe some of the journeys that led you to New York. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a, a long answer, I guess. <laughs> Um, well, I was born in Mexico in a place called Cuernavaca, which is somehow like the, I would say like the Beverly Hills of Mexico City. Um, it's an hour south from, uh, from Mexico City, straight line south to Acapulco. Um, and it's really well known for pools and beautiful weather and plants and barbecues. And, and it's just idyllic, but it might be a little bit boring for me. Um, in the sense that I was uh, somehow looking for more exciting things. And um, I guess that comes from um, curiosity, uh, looking for difference. I always look for, for what's different somehow uh, with my friends, with the experience that I gather along the way. Somehow that um, those different experiences made up uh, the person who I am and I've been like collecting them uh, along the way and also has led me to live in, in different countries like Germany, uh, France, Spain and now here in the US. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like difficult to, to boil it down to a simple answer but I guess it's, uh, it's curiosity and, and, and you know, uh, also getting the satisfaction out of uh, meeting different people, learning different cultures, and, and, and seeing that things are not black and white, but there's a lot of gray areas in between. Um, and somehow that uh, satisfaction or, or those curiosity that are being satisfied along the journey helps me with my work, 
helps me with, uh, I mean, my consultant work with uh, with clients that are looking to uh, learn more about different markets or how to introduce their products in different markets, or also like how to transform organizations from uh, pipeline uh, business to uh, platform business, which all uh, had to do with people at the end. So it's important for me to uh, listen, and that listening has been a very important part of my life because that has also led me to adapt to different cultures and, and be able to to reinvent myself on and on. I guess. As you know, as uh, you reflect on your family, do they have a need to explore like you? Have they gone out into the world and? towards a path that was maybe unexpected. Are you doing a different thing? Tell me about your family and their approach to being curious. Wow. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel I come from a very uh, simple family, like uh, nothing really outstanding, I would say. Uh, even uh, my grandfather was a farmer in Mexico, so that can tell you a lot of things of like where I'm coming from. And from my mother's side, that was a, I would say like a revolutionary story where, where my great grandfather was shot when, when my grandma was seven. So um, she took care of the whole family when she was seven uh, because her mom was unable to do whatsoever. And so I guess um, from my family, what can take is, is the ability that nothing is said and then you need to just fight for whatever you think it's it's worth and uh maybe also knowing what you have uh what you can achieve or maybe if you don't know that just try uh, but also know the limits of what you don't want uh and i think that's also kind of a i mean it's hard to 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 understand all of those concepts uh, as you are, I guess, like creating your own person. Uh, but to me, I think uh, the idea of creating your own self, uh, coming from a, a place and then building up on your experience and what you were exposed to. And, and let me mention again that idea of difference uh has led me to the person who I am right now, but that doesn't mean that I will not change because I think that's kind of like the fun part and also part of the listening and part of like being open and being flexible. And probably the more experience you have, uh the more flexibility you have as well. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes. I have a question. Um, you know, for some people that we've talked to and some of our friends um, there was one catalyst or one moment that they can point to, and I'm sure based off your experience, there's several of those. What was one of the earliest things that you recall is like a point at which this kind of propelled me into either, you know, an uncomfortable situation where I was creating something or um, I was forced to think about things a little bit differently and Hindsight being twenty twenty, looking back on it, it was really positive. It had a positive impact on me. For example, my my in my own personal background, I think about when I left California and I came east, 
to look for education and to define myself. I, I was 17 years old at the time. And, you know, my family, everybody, and a lot of my friends stayed in California. Um, and so that was a, one of the moments that I would define. And then along the way, there were certain things that happened that made me um, respond a different way um, or not respond a certain way. And that in itself was really impactful to me. Are there a couple of like initial things that happened early on in your life that you could share with us? And what was some of the outcomes coming out of those experiences and the impact to you? <laughs> uh, well, one of the things that was very impactful for me was uh, banana pancake pancakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because uh, um, so I was I was saying that I was curious about difference, and I probably had like five or six years old. Mm -hmm. And I remember this girl from the United States that was in my school, mm -hmm. and somehow like she had like different things, and I was really attracted to those different things. She had like. Uh, I don't know, like lunchbox or stupid things like that. Mm -hmm. um, like very simple. And then like we became friends and she invited me to her home, which was a complete different new uh, universe to what I knew as a home. They had a piano, they had uh, uh, toys, it, 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 they speak English, which I think it was the first time I was aware that there was another language uh, that I was not able to decipher. And so I tried that, those banana pancakes, and I thought that was incredible. And so somehow, you know, that was kind of like those satisfying moments that your brain learns to embrace and, and those moments that you embrace. And, and, you, and, and that was probably like the first step of being uh, into that path of looking for difference and trying to understand how things work elsewhere than in your, in your circle or your comfort zone. Uh, but then, of course, like there are many, many others. It's hard to pick up them because there, there are plenty. Uh, I couldn't tell like another one, like going to France for the first time, uh, thanks to a very good friend of mine who uh, invited me uh, for the summer because she was she is French, French, uh, Franco Mexican, and uh, and my friend invited me to spend the summer there, and that's when I kind of like got hooked with the uh, French culture and and I thought that I, that's what I, I wanted to, to to have. I wanted to be to live in France and to experience that because I also knew that if I stay in Mexico my life will be somehow limited and I would stay in, in that um, uh, I don't know like comfort zone or the the, 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 the known place and, and for me I think like it's part of, of, of my DNA of, of, of being adventurous and, and trying to learn things all the time. And, and so I guess like the world is too big to, uh, at least for me, uh, to stay in the same place for all your life. I, I, I can also tell that uh, people who are in, in my hometown, they, they live like amazing lives as well because it's a beautiful place. Uh, but somehow for me, this has worked out and uh, I've learned so much uh, um, from people and from also like I'm, I'm somehow like a nerd. I like to read and learn and, and I get very interested in, in easily interested in things. Um, probably that's why I was also developing myself in this new, uh, trying to understand the new economy and, and the benefits of platform uh, design and ecosystem thinking. and 
and, and somehow that is also rewarding. But I, I think I couldn't have learned about that by just staying where I, where, where I was born or where I was. Um, and t- t- today, New York is a great place, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to be also for a long term because I might like to move, I don't know, somewhere else. Cool. It sounds like you, you enjoy doing some fear setting, pushing yourself across the line, doing things that maybe put you in a slight state of discomfort. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. <laughs> so tell me, um, and I know you, you have done quite a bit of traveling, you're doing some traveling. What are some things that you find most interesting and challenging and stimulating right now that's going on either personally or professionally? that is evolving you as a person? Well, I think like it's, it's just the mind shifting is very powerful in the sense that, I mean, you can see things from different perspective and, and, and you can be looking at the same thing, all, like, you know, as, a, as, a, as the same subject, but from different perspectives. So I think that's really challenging. Uh, and sometimes it's, it, you cannot quite see exactly the difference unless you experience it and you really like grasp that, uh, point of view from, from a different perspective. Um, I'm not sure I'm being, being very clear, but, um, what I'm, what I'm saying is that you need to somehow like push yourself to try to understand either people or a problem or an industry from different perspectives to have this full, or at least a, a more broad idea of what you're talking about. You mentioned something about platform design and your perception or a person's perception within the ecosystem. So could you develop for us and maybe some of our listeners that aren't as familiar with platform design, develop what that concept is? And also going back historically to your experience and your journeys, when did you have that aha moment with concepts around platform design when they were introduced to you? And, you know, what were you reading at the time or how, who were the influential people that you maybe came across or um, kind of led you down that road or how did you get to that point where, um, because one thing that I think I want to share with people is that you are an expert in platform design, just like you're an expert in branding and probably many more things that you haven't even shared with us. But I'm really interested in this concept of platform design because I know you've spoken to me about it and it's really a fascinating concept since we have such a large percentage of our, our viewers and listeners out there that are in the design field in different capacities. I think it would be awesome to share with them how you came to that point. Um, I think you need to understand like um, the overall place or the, the, the moment that we're living, which is really fascinating. Um, we're, we're, we're entering like the fourth industrial revolution, like um, Klaus Schwab calls it. Um, but in a way, it's, it's like this revolution. So that there was the industrial revolution, which was pushed by technology, steam and machines and, and you know, the, the, the industrialization of products in a, in a scale. 
Uh, and nowadays, we're also living a, a revolution due to digital technologies. And so the big difference between uh, the model that we have many companies working still in that model, and I'm not saying it's wrong, it's just like a transition, is that uh, before uh, companies used to create products or services and ship them uh, to the consumers or users uh, by doing marketing campaigns, and it was very easy. So it was mostly about reducing, being efficient, reducing costs, and shipping it uh, to the uh, larger scale, uh, to as many people as you could, uh, of course, with maybe like a unique selling proposition, uh, a very clear uh, objective or, or, or uh, a bit to a very clear user or consumer. So, you know, like, but that was somehow uh, easy. And it was mostly about systems uh like how you create processes that are going to reduce the cost but nowadays the the interesting part is that with with technology that you can create uh as as a company you can allow other people to participate in that economy by providing themselves as producers of goods or services uh, th their own goods or their own inventory let's say like they own their own inventory and they put it for you and then you connect them with uh, um, users or, or consumers in this call in this um, space that you own which is a platform mm -hmm. so basically what you're avoiding is uh, having an inventory mm -hmm. and and you don't need to deal with uh, like the cost. Mm -hmm. What you're trying to do is create those relationships among those entities so that they can uh, in exchange value and you can you can be you can capture that value as a company and that creates uh, something that's called the network effects. Mm -hmm. which uh, create exponential growth mm -hmm. and many companies uh, I don't know like Amazon, Uber, the Airbnbs, they, they have created so much value out of it. I think it's estimated to be 70% yeah. of technology's value created since 1994, I think, something like that. So it's, it's really huge. And uh, the platform design is about how you help, either like helping startups or organizations or, or companies that have been uh, are legacy companies with legacy products that need to or want to evolve them, their, their, their model towards um, a, uh, a platform model. And this is interesting because also what has changed in the, in the landscape is that um, consumers want special things, right? Like there's not a world anymore of just one toothpaste brand or one soda brand or two, of course, like there's always like the too big, right? Nowadays, you can have carbonated waters, uh, seltzer waters, uh, flavor waters, kombucha. So everything is very particular and very specific. And it's for a very uh, targeted group of people. And as a big company, you're unable to produce and compete with such a tiny um, group of consumers. 
So you're competing against, like you're competing uh, in a in a new space where uh, this this uh, long tail of consumers and producers are interacting with each other, and as a big company, you're unable to play an important role there because you're too heavy. You have like this costs that are so uh, expensive to maintain that it's really hard for for you to to compete. With with them, so somehow um, there's a big opportunity for. I mean, it's a great moment for small companies to create things, and also to big companies to see how they can adapt their model to uh, for participating in this new economy. And I find that fascinating. You see the future basically basically being participatory and a shared economy, and then also to extend on what you're saying. How does a company become a purple cow? How do we stand out now when there's so much choice? So yeah, so that, that we're talking about uh, uh, branding. And I think I forgot about the bridge between uh, my background, which is in brand strategy, and how do I arrive to, uh, to this area? So I think uh, in terms of, I mean, brands have somehow a kind of network effect, which also is this like viral, um, viral connection and, and but it's kind of different because uh what network effects do they reduce the they re, they not only reduce the cost but they also augment the value of the platform but well there are more users within that platform i don't know if that makes sense for you so uh the more users the more value for the participators and as a brand it doesn't really work that way so it's really interesting to see the parallels uh, of how those two uh, growth patterns work, because as a platform, you also need to understand and leverage the value of a brand. Otherwise, like people will never love you. And if people don't love you, you're a commodity and you can just be interchangeable for another, another brand. So it's interesting to to understand and, and also be uh, focused on, it's not only about creating that space or that platform for that uh, exchange of value between the, the, the different entities, but also it's important how you create a mythology so that you can connect with your consumers or, or attract your participants that could be, uh, I don't know, like suppliers, providers, developers, uh, I mean, it can be an infinity of, 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 of people interacting that ecosystem. So how, how, does, how do you create um, this, this mythology or this brand that's going to uh, sediment those relationships? Is it, your, is it your belief? Sorry, I want to throw one more in. Um, is it true that it's better to create a thousand fans than 10,000 or 100,000 people that are lukewarm? Is that the future? Well, that is somehow. I, I think that was uh, who was who said that. Um, but yeah, I think I think that that is that is the beginning. You need to have those. I mean, if you think about the, the a network, a network is created by um, let's say like nodes and then the links. If you have nodes that are stronger than others, you need to take care of those nodes who have more connections. So if, if you have that uh, thousand or ten thousand fans, 
that are really strong, then you just need to make sure that you market well to them or help them understand what you stand for so that they can then spread the news to whatever their uh, network or their connections are. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like saying that not all consumers are created equal uh, and you need to know uh, how to create a strong difference for them. And somehow that I think like many people have said, I mean, Seth Godley has this book of the purple cow and, uh, but you need to, it's, you cannot be loved by everyone. I have, um, going back to your work at Parsons and what we've just discussed here about brand and platform design and consumers and organizations and marketplaces and openness and community. When you're describing these concepts or talking about these concepts with students, from the beginning of the session to the end, what are you seeing in their thought processes or curiosities, how they're changing? Like, what is compelling to you as you're witnessing maybe light bulbs going on in people's head as you're talking about certain concepts or maybe you're doing some, um, some work together or they're working as teams together? What are some of the things that you're seeing in, in, the, uh, in the classroom or uh, across the... Uh, across Parsons community? Um, yeah, it's hard to put it in a nutshell. I'm sorry. That's I'm like, okay. I'm like moving everything here. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I mean... Like, like, I'll ask you for example, like another, let me put it another way. Um, I know like you and I have talked about different preferences from like a Gen Z, for example, and what they've been able to quantify about some of the attention span and just consumer behaviors. And knowing that that might be a subset of the population of your class, like, you know, is it, is it aligned to what you're reading? Like, you know, six to eight second attention span. Generally speaking, they might like to view something on in a portal or on a landing page, but they really do appreciate and value that that um, being able to walk into a storefront and touch it and feel it before mm -hmm. they actually make their decision to buy something. Um, are you seeing um, evidence of that supported through your classrooms or your students or even within the different educators that you're working with at Parson? Or are there certain things that are changing that people aren't aware of that you'd like to share with? Uh, our audience. Yeah, I like to see the like my class as a group of individuals. So I think it's good to uh, be aware of of the generational difference, but also see them as 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 people. Mm -hmm. uh, because somehow, like we we get tend to be very biased about like all these reports, which like when you see the the overall uh, population, they are mostly true. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, like we we need to see that, uh, for example, I also have uh, like minimized my attention span, you know, because we're used to like this uh, immediate satisfaction, immediate interaction, and, and, and I want the solution now and I get it now. So uh, somehow is, is, is not exclusive for a certain uh, generation. I think it's, it's also driven by uh, the technologies that we're using and, and the different stimuli that we're confronted. So 
in class, I think what is what is interested interesting is to uh, <coughs> see their <coughs> see their 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 reactions and see what they're interested about and and also trying to uh, I mean if it's interesting for them is interesting for me as well. So somehow it's it's a, a dialogue of of trying to discover what is more interesting for them and what is helpful. Because at the end of the day, like, uh, I mean, you can learn anything right now in online. So going to a school, the big difference is, is like the interaction and the, the, the real experience of, of how you, how you get to know yourself, your capabilities and using tools that it's going to be already filtered by someone like me or, or another professor is like how, how you make those tools more accessible so that they can use them as they want. Because of course, like we're just giving them some tools and then they will go on their own and, and build something. Yeah, apply it a certain way. Hmm. What, what, what design skills do you think students need today to be relevant? I mean, I think empathy is one of the, of the most important ones. And especially where, I mean, or, or this generation or, or, or everyone is on their phones only, it's really hard to uh, build that skill. So, and I think that's why it's important to have this uh, physical space to experience methods and, and tools and co having conversation sharing with others because also like that allows you to see like what are your possibilities and how you can like transform yourself into a better designer or a better student or a better professional. So I think um, the way you show up uh, with uh, to class and the way you show up for your uh, teammates is very important. Um, to me, that's one of the, of the very important skills <coughs> for, a, for a designer. Not only like be at your best, but also help others to be their best. So I I actually have a, and this will probably before I enter, I just want to introduce. I know it's kind of out of left field, and it's not consistent with this uh, flow of the question that we just had and where we left it. Mm -hmm. But I I am interested to hear from you. Um, could you tell us a little bit about an experience that comes to mind? where you may have failed or okay. the outcome wasn't what you would expect and it's memorable enough that you would like to share with us and what were some of the lessons learned and how did you respond to that? Let me think about it. Um, because there are many things, right? So it's like hard to nail down like one single failure. You can start with a breakfast choice. Huh? You can start with a breakfast choice if that's easier. With a what? A breakfast choice. Breakfast choice? Yeah. <laughs> oh, horrible. Let me let me let me think about that. Um, yeah, I probably like have many, but that's the problem. I fell so often. <laughs> um, wow. Or maybe where you were surprised, or you designed something and you showed it to someone, or you put it out in the world. And they reacted in the exactly opposite way. How did you respond to that? How did you learn from that? How did you react? 
like maybe you want to lessen the feedback loop or you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. or just trying to like trying to point like a particular example maybe where you work with a student or a class in a certain way and they didn't respond as you would have expected it had to change well, had to adapt. lee give us one of yours and i'll give you one of mine uh things that i have well i don't know a lot of times i'll come up with ideas for designs and people will not know how to use it they'll not they won't understand the flow and they'll start clicking on buttons and sometimes I will design a solution for which there is not a problem. Mm-hmm. I need to go back and understand it better. And I get excited. I think I have uncovered, uncovered some latent need, but really I just uncovered something that was obvious to me, but really not that. There's a number of, Examples where I tried to where I you know I thought I was really uncovering uncovering something special, but ultimately, what I learned was don't go too far down the road in developing an idea. Go with the people early and often. Seek out uncomfortable conversations. Seek feedback from people that you even in cases when you know they may not agree with you, and I think that's a huge issue today is that people don't seek out those uncomfortable conversations. They seek validation from those next to them, from their friends and their buddies and those that, uh, that they know will, um, will agree. So I think protecting our ego is a dangerous thing. We need to have conversations. We need to show things to people early and often and keep trying when it doesn't work. It really is all about the hustle and the hustle is more important than the idea. Mm-hmm. And I guess for me, my example or something that came to mind, my, my dad was just in town last week with my sister, my youngest son, Robin, just turned two. And um, he was reminding me of uh, an experience that I had as a young boy where I had this really nice BMX racing bicycle and I wrote it down to the community pool, which he advised me not to do. <laughs> and I didn't lock it up for some strange reason. I did not even take a bike lock. And just as you would expect, somebody came up and I was in the pool at the time and I saw them and they picked it up and they saw how light it was. And then this person and his friends took off and that was the end of it. <clears throat> and, um, what I ended up doing, and he reminded me this, I got on my skateboard the next day because I'm from Southern California and we do stuff like BMX race and mm-hmm. skateboard and among other things. And I went around my town, around the neighborhood, and I spent time just skateboarding around town. And lo and behold, around two o'clock in the afternoon, somebody rode by me <laughs> on my bicycle no. and I ended up pursuing them. And I found out where they lived and I went home and I told my dad wow. and we went to their door the next, that night and wow. spoke to the parents and recouped the bike. No way. And wow. so the lesson for me, my dad reminded me was it's okay to fail. It's just how you respond to the situation and what you do and whatever flavor of response that you come across and do. The most important thing is that you try to make an effort to adjust or course correct. 
So that was something that I constantly think about. And, and it's pretty fresh in my mind because my dad and I just had that discussion. Mm-hmm. So wow. I was wondering if there was anything like that that you wanted to share with us or maybe something more specific to tools or methods that you're currently using that uh, you find are particularly um, important that you want to impart to somebody that's listening? Um, I think one of the often mistakes that I made, I've made in the past is um, try to ship things that are complicated mm-hmm. um, because you have this idea of this amazing concept and then you build it and then like it's ready, it goes to market and then you realize that your amazing concept, I'm talking in particular about a chocolate brand, um, and launched this very sophisticated piece of chocolate uh, with a very interesting story, and we thought it was really perfect. And we, it took us a while to 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 nail it down. But one, it, it was once it was done, it was incomprehensible for people because at the end, like chocolate has very uh, particular cues, and somehow like you need to adapt uh also and 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 listen to the insights that people are telling you and somehow like the like less is more when it comes to uh building a message or building a software or building a solution um and uh, yeah i think that that's uh, and that also applies to to teaching at my class, I, I, I remember like one of the first experience when I when I started teaching was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna like have all the slides, all this content, it's gonna be like really interesting. But, and, and it was too much theory, too much content and not enough uh, exchange or application of those concepts into something real that they can take home uh, and then experiment with. So, now I try to go down the, the the concepts and try to apply them right away because that the end is is only that way that they will get it uh, and that can be useful for for their professional life. So I guess uh, simplify. I mean, and and simplification is is such a um, a word um, because it's, it's doesn't mean less. It means more rich, more distilled, essential. Uh, and I think that is very important for, a very important concept for designers to keep in mind. Yeah, simple, not simpler. Mm-hmm. It's not what's to be added, it's what, what can be taken away. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. And I find that also a lot of times in my writing, I'm way too wordy. And I know what I heard recently is um, if I had more time, I would have wrote half as much. And that's absolutely true. So I try to take my time. I take a break. I come back to it. And I usually find a lot of error and inefficiencies in my writing. And I think the same set for design. It's not always critical to be in a rush. Sometimes you need to think fast and slow. And sometimes you need to sleep on it. And you certainly need many times a contrarian view of someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're touching on a very interesting uh, 
thing that I thought on my way coming here. Uh, and this ties to the idea of like sailing. And sometimes I think, uh, time is, is, is a key element that we sometimes forget to take into consideration. Our clients think that you can have a solution like, uh, if you stress the delivery into less days or it depends on what phase of the design process you're in, but sometimes, especially in the research part, um, it's not only enough to know really well your questions, mm -hmm. but also take those, take those questions and let them uh, sit for a certain time and you just wonder, do other things. And somehow that, um, those moments is, is, is for me an incubation time mm -hmm. because solutions might need you to do certain connections with parallel worlds of other kinds of solutions, other examples, other industries. Uh, I don't know, like there, there's, there's, a, there's a universe where you can take out ideas from and apply them to your problems. And sometimes like the fact that you uh, neglect that time, uh, that incubation time uh, to, to build a solution. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like a prototyping because that is like, that can be done in a, it's more about the, the, the research part and, and the ideation part and how does that work? Because it's kind of like a, a, a very blurred area. And sometimes you can have a better solution if you wait, I don't know, like, uh, two days or, you know, because your mind is somewhere else. And then all of a sudden it's like, like you have this bulb light in your mind. And, and, and I think that is, that is one of the lessons that I've learned also, like give enough time after research to let it, let the question sit down for a while and then like take, take the problem back again and, and, and go uh, sketch your solutions. I have, um, <clears throat> I heard, I actually read this, um, Basecamp released this book for, it was maybe it was a novelette a few months ago. And one of the things that they were talking about was within an organization. And the reason I'm asking you this is because I know that you have a wonderful background and experience, um, more on the client facing side. Um, and we didn't really get a chance to touch upon that. But one of the things that they mention is within their organization, when somebody has an idea, they come to the table and everybody, you know, either they've been doing some campaigning in advance, but they come to the, to the table or the room and they come prepared to advocate for their idea. And that's where ultimately at the end of this powwow or meeting, people will come with some um, alignment and prioritization of things that they should execute on, develop, further develop, or, you know, agree to dedicate some time to work on it. Um, I'm interested to know um, if you have any tips or anything, suggestions you would share based off of your experience or things that you're reading now, or things that you impart, knowledge you impart onto your students as far within organization, uh, organizational structures. Um, how, how best do you find people um, should work together and decide to what ideas or things should be prioritized for execution or further work? I mean, to me, the, the, the best advice is collaboration. Because if, if there's just 
and, and a number of ideas. Because if there is someone who comes in with their own idea, they would like to be like to make that their own idea the winner. Mm-hmm. And that is normal. I mean, that is that is absolutely normal. Uh, I would do that myself, right? Um, so I think like collaboration is, is really key and also understanding the point of view of the experts. And this is like part of also the, the design sprint methodologies, like get everyone in the room, share the problem, align on the problem, yep. and then like work together or on your own, depending on the time or what, what, what you're working on precisely. But, but somehow, uh, re- like taking out the ego from, from the solution is really important. And that goes also for, I mean, for any, almost anything, because if you put also your, your ego into a solution, you might have some blind spots. And biases. And biases. Yeah. And, and somehow if, if you think about it uh, just as, as it is, as another solution, then you might see those areas that require more attention or maybe a, another form of testing or maybe like what does it do you need to iterate and so on so it's really it's really about how uh how that the 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 core group uh gets to work together uh more efficiently and and also talking about again the, the getting the different perspectives is really important to have as much as variety of perspective on a problem so that you can address those things from from start um no so i'm i'm really uh i really like this uh approach of collaboration and somehow also in in at persons is something i really like to teach uh or 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 at least let the way so that people like so the students know how how they can interact with each other and somehow that's why i i created a um, some sort of like a, a, a an evaluation that's done by 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 the students themselves. They are evaluating the work that other that every single individual in the team, uh, or how they contribute to the to the collective effort in many different areas, such as collaboration, communication, uh, organization. So so I have different rubrics, and they. Kind of like it, because it's for them that is just a way uh, to experiment how they collaborate and maybe be more aware of, of their areas of improvement. Or it's not just to critique or to have a grade, but mostly to get an insight from how you interact with others and what can you learn so that you're better off when you will uh, join, um, I don't know, a company or build your own. Okay, I think we are at the end of this podcast. Um, It was great hearing about everything. You were definitely on an uh, explorer's journey. And I think that everything you've experienced and learned has made you a better teacher, instructor, better human being. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all learning. And at the end, like this is, this is just a, you know, um, a, a small journey, right? A short journey. So, um, I don't know. I think you should better take advantage of it and, and be 
positive and experiment things that will make you a better person, maybe. Definitely. Good, uh, good words to close with. Where can people find you? Uh, people can ping me on, on my LinkedIn or can, uh, yeah, just drop me a line or can follow also the stories on platform design on Medium. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. One really? thing I want to What? I was just going to say thank you very much for taking the time on a Friday to come <laughs> meet with us right before you're getting ready to leave for vacation. We really appreciate it. And I think um, if there's anything we can do for your for you or your friends or your network uh, in the future, please let us know how we can help out. We really uh, are very thankful and appreciative that you're here with us. And uh, we would love to help you any way we can in the future. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay. That's, that's it. We're signing off. I just have one question, right? And I didn't, and I didn't want to ruin, I didn't want to throw it out there. So could you share with us, you have all of these great things that preoccupy your day to day on a more personal side. Mm -hmm. What do you like to do for fun? I do all sorts of things. Sorry, I'm, I have like a, the, the, the gas of Topo Chica just coming up on my throat. Um, well, I think I like to do like as many new things as possible. Uh, right now, I'm experimenting on um, palm boarding, cool. which is some sort of like a... Body surfing. Uh, yeah, body surfing. Yeah. Um, but I also like to do uh, younger yoga. I like to go to museums, art exhibitions, uh, eat food. I'm, I really like to experiment uh, with food. Uh, I'm very bad at following uh, recipes, uh, but I love to get inspired and just, you know, like try things on. Uh, what else? I, I love to do, I don't know, like meeting people, uh, inviting people home for dinner, things like that. Uh, traveling is also also something that I really like to do. So it's it, it really varies, um, but yeah, it's it's hard to because sometimes I get bored of doing something and I change. Uh, yeah, I don't have like a one thing that I only do that. I just like to mix it up. Cool. What makes you laugh? What was the last thing you laughed at? <laughs> Myself, I guess. Us. <laughs> Us, the two, the two knuckleheads that are uh, in her company right now. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. So much fun. I like to hang out with you. I will, I will do this every, every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of the Experiences of Insight team, we thank you for taking the time to join us. We hope that you found this episode value added and you continue to check out our content. Have a great day.